Chat with Traders is sponsored by Trade the Pool. Are concerns about limited buying power, insufficient capital, or fear of losing your own money preventing you from advancing your trading capabilities? Trade the Pool is an online stock trading prop firm that offers funding for stock traders. Demonstrate your skills, trade their capital, and keep your profits. You can engage in intraday trading and now swing trading on Trade the Pool with any U.S. stock or ETF. The procedure is straightforward. Pay an evaluation fee, successfully complete the evaluation, and get funded. Visit tradethepool.com forward slash chat to learn more. You've seen the headlines. Bonds are making a comeback. But if you've ever tried to invest in bonds, you know what a clunky, complicated, broken experience it can be. That's why at Public, they took fixed income and fixed it. Now you can find, evaluate, and buy thousands of bonds with an investing experience designed this century. Add fixed income to your portfolio with corporate, treasury, and municipal bonds. Go to public.com forward slash bonds podcast to get started. This podcast is sponsored by Public. Full disclosures can be found at public.com forward slash bonds. Markets, speculation, and risk. This is the Chat with Traders podcast, hosted by Aaron Fifield. What's up, traders? You're listening to episode 74. I'm Aaron Fifield, and thanks for being here. My guest this week is John Walsh, aka the Black Cabbie Trader. The backstory of John in 2012, he entered a competition, the City Index Trading Academy which was a group of people with very little market experience to see how well they would perform over the span of five weeks. John came out on top and won £100,000 in prize money. He's, of course, continued trading ever since and has developed into quite the trend slash position trader, focused on US equities and makes simplicity an absolute top priority. He's also a black cab driver in London, which you'll hear more about very shortly. In this episode, we chat about the competition, John's trading methodology, and why you've got to stay out of your own way, as John puts it. If you're enjoying the podcast, and if it's helped you in any way, I have a very small favor to ask. Please leave a brief iTunes review. It's such a huge help. So if you can help, just go to chatwithtraders.com forward slash iTunes. It'll take you all of about two minutes. Thank you. Okay. You're listening to the Chat with Traders podcast. Here is an interview with John Walsh. All right, John, and we are rolling. What's up, man? How are you? I'm good, thanks, Aaron. How are you? I am doing just fine. Thank you very much for coming on the podcast. It's really great to be speaking with you. No worries. Thank you for having me on. You know, I'm, I'm very pleased to be on. Hopefully people get something from it. And um, obviously you've had some big hitters before, so I'm, I'm honored to be among the illustrious group. I'm sure that I'm sure they will. I'm sure they will. So, how's your day been? You keeping busy? Yeah, I'm not too bad. You know, I'm, I'll trade US markets. So, and I'm obviously in London. So, I have to wait until the evenings over here before I can do my homework and scanning charts. But um, as you know, I'm a black cab driver by trade, so I do a few hours in the cab during the day, keep myself busy. And um, yeah, so things are weather's increasing, getting a bit better over here. So yeah, no, things are good. Very good. Very good. All right, we'll, we'll dig into that all a lot more um, in, in just a bit, but let's start off with um, talking about how you first developed an interest in markets and more specifically trading. So where did everything kick off for you? 
Well, it started really I mean, from when I was a child, like in my teenage years, really. I mean, it's a bit of a cliche. I've heard that a lot of people say that they followed the stock prices in the newspaper. I did all that. I used to cut them out each day, and, and I used to have a pile and pile of newspaper clippings of old stock prices. But in reality, I had no idea what moved the price up or down. I didn't know about charting or anything like that. It was very basic. I used to follow tickers and was interested in the company names. And from that, it, it just went up. And I just started to read some books and stuff and it just, I just started to love it really but I hadn't actually started trading just yet it was just like um, just a hobby in the background that I just kept an eye on okay cool cool so John I know you went on to um, going into what did you do you went into a competition um, but prior to the competition uh, which we'll talk about more in just a bit what was your experience with trading before entering well, Aaron, this is the thing. I literally had no trading experience at all. I mean, I did a bit of like um, paper trading, as you, as you would call it. Um, I used to look on Google Finance and I built up a little um, paper portfolio of stocks. But it was just really, it wasn't even technical or fundamental. It was just, um, I used to read about stocks, put them on the list, watch them go up, watch them go down. And I used to just follow it like that. But no, no actual real trading experience at all. Okay, okay, got it. So, well, let's talk a little bit about the competition. I mean, that's kind of how you got a bit of a name for yourself in the UK, especially. So, how did you hear about the competition? What motivated you to try out? And and what even was the competition? Well, um, it was called the City Index Trading Academy. I don't know if some of your listeners will be aware or not. City Index is a um, broker in the UK. And um, it's funny, a lot of people ask this, how did I get involved? I literally do not remember. I must have been looking at um, some kind of trading-related website, and I saw an advert, and I literally just put my name and email address in. They said they get back contact with you in a couple of weeks or so and I thought well I'll see if they get back to me um, and they did and we had to do like a phone interview because they wanted to talk to you and make sure you you could do what they required from you and um, they, and they wanted people with no experience as well so I, I fitted that category and so I did the phone interview and then I I think they had about 500 applicants um, sign up online then they whittled that down from the phone interview down to 80 and then we had to go for a live interview um, which they whittled that down from 80 down to 12 and then for the final 12 um, we had to do two days filming at the City Index offices and out of the 12 they whittled that down to 8 and we were the final 8 and then the competition started. Okay, okay. So what was the whole sort of concept, the, the idea of the competition? Right, so the the whole concept behind the idea was literally taking eight people off the street with little or no trading experience at all, teach us how to trade effectively what a lot of people would say was the right way, like to a combination of technical and fundamental analysis. We would talk candle charts and candle patterns, how to read like uh, fundamental news and how to put it all together into a trading plan. And from that, um, we, we just learned a, a good basic foundation and framework to trade and we was off and running. Okay. Okay. Interesting. So, what were some of the questions that um, they asked you? Like, what was the screening process like? You said that you went to a couple interviews. What were some of the questions that they wanted you to answer? 
Well, yeah, so we'd sat down and they literally hit us straight away. Like, on the day I went for my interview, um, but as soon as I sat my bum on the chair, they said to me, like, what what did the FTSE close yesterday? And to be honest with you, I didn't have a clue because I, I really had no idea. And they asked me what sort of... Um, they asked me the price of oil closing the previous day. Um, and also they asked me um, just to give them a financial story that I'd read in the paper. So, But they just basically wanted to make sure that you had an inkling and an interest in trading primarily because they just wanted to make sure that people were interested in the subject matter at least. Because um, I've got to remember, there was a 100 grand prize money up as well. So it, it was taken very serious and a lot of people did follow it in the UK at the time. Okay. And what was like, I mean, it kind of sounds like you just saw this this opportunity and you just sort of decided oh, I'll put my name in I'll put in my email and if I get it I get it um, and you did get it but did you have any real desire to become a trader like make a career out oh, of it? Oh a- absolutely I mean when when the interview process was going on at the time I was doing the knowledge to become a London black cab driver I'm not too sure if you know what the knowledge is it's a, it's a studying process you have to go through to become a cab driver in London and the plan always was because it takes up a lot of time to study the knowledge become a cab driver and then because um, being obviously being a cab driver I'm my own boss I could then learn to trade afterwards but because how things ended up transpiring with the competition with me winning it, I ended up being sort of catapulted into learning how to trade. Then I became the cab driver afterwards, and that is how the black cabbie trader came about. It all sort of come together at once. Okay, okay. So let's just go off on a, on a side tangent here. What is the knowledge? Because I know um, the whole cab driving thing is taken very seriously in London. So w- what is the knowledge? Right, so the knowledge is basically you've got to look. The centre of London is Charing Cross train station. Now you've got to learn the six mile radius of that, and they say it's about twenty thousand streets, and you have to learn all what they call points of interest, which is essentially anything that anyone can come up to you and ask you to take them to, i.e., train stations, police stations, uh, museums, theatres absolutely anything you can think of statues and you have to do that and it's a process and you just do your best you have a lot of them all exams you literally go into a room with an examiner and they literally ask you four questions take me from a to b and you have to do what they call call it so i have to say left into so-and-so street right into so-and-so street cross this roundabout left into this street right into that road and you have to get them there and then it's a long old process. I'm very proud of it. And eventually I got through it. But fortunately, I learned to trade before I finished that. So I got I got to hit the ground running with both. <laughs> right. That's really full on. So you're not allowed oh, to yes. use any GPS? No, no, no. No GPS. No, it's all done by memory. And you just look, you look at a, a basically a flat laminated map of London and you use like a watermarker to pen in the line because you have to go as straight as you can, essentially. They call it um, on the cotton, which is basically you put a, a cotton um, string from one end of the route to the other and you try and call it as straight as you can. So left, right, left, right. No going up major roads and then just chucking the left. You've got to use all the intricate routes you can. Wow, wow, okay. Yeah, it was a busy time. <laughs> so where does that fit in in your life today? You still do, what, a few hours cab driving each day? Well, yeah, exactly. So because I trade the US markets, um, as I said, in London, they don't open till the afternoon. So I get up early in the morning, 
Um, I go out like seven, eight in the morning, uh, two or three times a week, do a few hours, come back in the afternoon, sometimes before the US market opens, sometimes it's not just yet, but I've done all the homework the night before. And then I watch the open, but I've said on Twitter, um, sometimes a lot of the time the market opens and I do nothing because I'm a position trader. Um, everything's very automated in respect to moving the stops. I don't, unless I'm actually opening new trades, there's not much for me to do. So I just, but I just watch it and I love it. <laughs> so it keeps you op- occupied during the day. It's excellent. Exactly, you know. And I, I'm, I'm always, on, I'm on Twitter and stock tweets. I'm reading articles and I'm talking to people and I read, and I'm answering emails. And I'm reading trading books. So I'm just trying to immerse myself in it, really. Good stuff. Good stuff. So let's get back to the competition. I really want to dig into this a little more. Yeah, no worries. Um, why do you think they chose you? I mean, you, like you said, there was a lot of entries to get into this competition. Why do you think they chose you? Is there anything that stands out? Well, I actually did ask them this question after it was all over, and they just said um, that they could see I was hungry. They could see I was really – I mean, I'm a competitive person in nature, and I, I really was keen to win. I mean, even if it was, even if there was an underground prize money, I would have still done my best to win because it, um, it was over five weeks, um, five trading weeks, and I won – Three out of the five weeks, I finished second one week, and the week I didn't, um, I finished in the bottom three. No one made any money, and and they just saw something that I was, I was really keen. I was, I could, I was so pleased to get to the final, um, sort of almost the final selection process, and they loved, they just loved my enthusiasm, and they they thought I was going to be good, and it ended up being that they were quite pleased with how I performed, and it all finished uh, with quite a. Um, quite a bang at the end with my final trade and it was all exciting and a lot of people followed it so yeah they were they were pleased with the result and obviously I was too right okay so what were you I guess what I want to ask is what were you taught like what was the training like or were you just kind of sort of set free like was there any process that you went through right at the beginning like maybe in the first week they put you through some sort of program was there anything like that yeah, there was. That's correct. Yeah, there was. Um, well, I mean, we used to go to their office every day at the beginning. We had a lot of seminars, and we were basically taught technical analysis 101, like a basic candle charting. I mean, literally what the wick on a candle looked like, stuff like that. But then it went into technical analysis, all the like stochastics, moving averages, and um, chart patterns, and like everything you could almost think. Even very, I mean, very advanced for a beginner because we literally some of us had never even opened the trade. Some of them had, but they wasn't even that was that experienced but um, it was literally overkill but it was done in such a way you couldn't help but not take it in and because it was for a competition everyone was keen to listen and not miss out so you just sort of like became a sponge and I, I still use a lot of what I learned then today okay so who were I think there were two sort of key mentors who were giving you some sort of guidance um, throughout the whole competition. Who were the, the two uh, mentors? Yeah, that's great. That's um, James Chen from the States. He came over. I mean, he. I think he lived in London at the time during the competition. Um, he's known in the States as a chartered technician. He's wrote a few books. And also um, Ashraf Lidi, who's a very well-known person in the UK and even the world. He's, he does Bloomberg and CNBC and stuff like that. And he's wrote another, another person who's wrote another couple of books. And But it wasn't just the webinars. We had them on 24 
24-hour call. You know, we'd get emails and phone calls, and they were really because during the competition there was a live P&L table, so they could see and we could see how everyone was doing, and it was really engrossing. And they they were really good guys, and they gave us a lot of good advice. Also, not just about the technical part, but also the psychological part. Don't panic if you're having a bad day and stuff like that. It wasn't just about that. It was because some of us had never traded before, so we didn't know how to handle losses and if things were going not the way they should have done. So it, it was a lot of aspects that, I mean, to be fair, it was a real baptism of fire, actually. Like, I'm fortunate that I got in hindsight. It was a very stressful time. I hardly slept for five, six weeks. But afterwards, when I look back, um, it, I, I was really fortunate. Mm, mm, okay. And just so we're clear, whose money were you trading? I, I presume it was probably, um, who was it, City Index? Uh, yeah, City Index. So the thing was, we were talking at the start amongst ourselves, the traders. We were saying it was some kind of demo account. But coming to the end of the last few weeks and we started making some money, we wasn't completely convinced it was demo because they were taking it a little bit too – I mean, I know it was a serious business. I mean, regardless if it was demo or not, the winner on the last week was going to get 100 grand. But there was some real interest in – and so I'm not convinced it was demo, but it may have been, but then again, it could have easily been real money. And it, it, it was, I mean, we treated this, we treated it as it, as it was so. Yeah, yeah. So how much money were you allocated at the beginning and did that like sort of increase over the weeks or decrease? Yeah, yeah, it did. So the first week we was given uh, five thousand each, and I think I mean because it was a very we, we didn't know what we was doing essentially, and it was all very nervous, and we, we was dipping our toe in here and there. I don't think honestly we did as well collectively as, we, as they thought we was going to. So they kept it at the second week as five grand, and then um, the, every other week, every week after that, it accumulated even more. And then in the final week, we traded a hundred grand account. Okay. For the finale. Right. That's a big jump up. Yeah, it was. It was. So what sort of style of trading did they promote and what products were you trading? Well, see, as um, I've spoke to you previously in previous conversation that over in the UK, we have something called spread betting, which I'm sure some of your listeners from the UK will know what that is. Um, so it's a leveraged product and you trade it basically a pound or whatever it is per point. So, for instance, if you bought Apple, just say it was a hundred dollars, and you did a pound a point for every cent it went up. So every dollar it went up, you'd make a hundred pounds. So, and you can trade anything. You can trade FX, commodities, stocks, indices, any any um, sort of asset class that you want. But it's not you don't actually own the underlying. It's basically a futures contract essentially. Okay, and you were flat on all positions by the end of the day. Well, no, what it was, it, it started on a Tuesday morning and it start and it ended um, when did it, end? it ended Friday at noon. So we had like three and a half days of trading nonstop. And I mean, I had a day job at the time and I was trading while I was at work and watching the other guys trade. Some of the guys didn't have day jobs and they were trading day and night. But sometimes that was to, to the detriment of their account. You know, I just did what I could. Um, I, I was always there at the London Open and the New York Open, um, but you you could literally trade day and night up until noon on the Friday. But I, I didn't want to go down that road. Okay. All oh, right. Okay. Got it. So you mentioned um, a little earlier that you were you sort of came out on top at the top of the leaderboard for I think it was three out of five weeks. How did you manage that? Do you think um, you were almost a little bit of a natural at this, like, or was there something that something that you were doing a lot differently to many of the other traders? 
Well, the main thing was I was trying to win every week, regardless. You know, I've said I would happily fall in on my shield if I had to, but a lot of the traders were essentially trying not to win. They didn't want to finish in the bottom three, but they weren't trying to win the week either, whereas I tried to win every week. And as I said, three out of five weeks I did. Okay, so why weren't they trying to win just so that they were like just safe? They didn't want to risk too much. Yeah, precisely. They were just playing it safe. I mean, some of them took some chances, and some it went. Sometimes it went in their favour. Sometimes it didn't. But yeah, they, they. It was like the Apprentice, the competition, um, the, the program, the Apprentice. As long as you don't finish in the bottom three, you're safe. And they were just trying to get through each week, but. I was just thinking, I'm here, I'm going to make the most of this situation, I'm going to do my best. If I, fall, if I fall on my shield, then so be it. But I tried to do my best, I did, and I loved it. And like you said, inadvertently, I did end up finding I had a knack for it, and I wasn't going to apologise for that to the other traders. <laughs> of course, of course not. So, um, come to the end of it, you won $100,000 prize money. What did you end up doing? Hundred thousand pounds, yeah, yeah, yeah. Got to get that straight. Um, yeah. What did you do with that money? Did it go straight into a trading account, or how'd you? What'd you do with it? Well, I mean, I, I spent a little bit of it. Obviously, I put a little bit away, but I used a very small amount because I mean, I, I, I'd learned a lot, but it was only I'd only been trading for six weeks, so it wasn't like all of a sudden I think I'm Warren Buffett or Kyle Icon or anything like that. I was a realist. I, I, I knew a lot. But I'd, I'd only actually been trading six weeks. So the competition finished in the end of November 2000 and I think it's 12 now. Yeah, 2012. And I literally didn't trade for two months. The thought of it, I traded so much in like such a small like time frame. I just couldn't face it. So it ended in November 2012. I literally didn't start trading again until February 2013. I had a lot of things to do with the competition afterwards. Um, I ended up on CNBC. I did some articles, um, some interviews with some websites and, and some uh, trading-related uh, publications. And um, But I just could not face it. And then after that, I, I started, I, because I won the money, I was obviously able to give up the day job and finish the knowledge full-time studying as that. And I was, it went hand-in-hand hand with trading. But I found um, day trading a lonely business. And after a few months, I didn't really like it. And I, I made money and I lost money. And overall, I finished net up. For that time, I was day trading, but I found it um, a lonely business and I didn't really like it. Okay, John. So, let's talk a little more about how you're actually trading today, seeing as you you know, you know, said that you did start out day trading. I know that's not the case any longer. Tell us about your approach today and um, explain your style of trading. Yeah, right. So, um, basically, if after moving on from the day trading, I was, I was day trading indices and as I said, I did okay. But trading stocks was always really going to be my passion going back to when I was a teenager, reading the stock ticker prices and all the rest of it. So, I decided to start trading stocks. I traded a bit of UK stuff, but it was very here and there. I didn't really have a standard approach. I was reading a little bit of fundamental. I was reading everything online, but it was all sort of like yesterday's news I'll, I'll jump in on any old ticker that was mentioned but no real approach and again same with indices I made some money lost some money but finished net up um, but then I decided to get serious and so I read some books I decided to focus on the US market uh, for many reasons like the time frame difference I love earnings season which we don't have over here I mean they do release results but it's not like a structured earnings season like it is in the States and it was then that I come across um, Jesse Livermore 
Nick Darvis and Richard Dennis and the Turtles. And I just love the Turtles approach, you know, buying new highs, new lows, um, having a trading stop loss, getting the signal, taking the signal, putting your stop loss in place. Don't get in your own way by trying to second guess what the market's going to do. You know, just react. Don't try and predict. And I've not looked back ever since. Are you a developing or seasoned day trader who trades the U.S. markets? Is the only thing stopping you from getting to the next level is having enough capital to trade? Trade the Pool is a unique online stock trading prop firm that funds stock traders worldwide. Not having to risk your own capital can help you focus on other things like making better decisions on your trades. There's no PDT rules to worry about. You got more than 12,000 stocks and ETFs to trade, long or short, and professional tools at your side. How you get funded is you show them your skills through a straightforward evaluation process. Once you pass the evaluation, you get funded and trade with their pool of money and split the profits. Don't let the lack of buying power, capital, or fear of losing your own money prevent you from taking your trading to the next level. Visit tradethepool.com slash chat to learn more. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Okay, so were there any like big challenges that um, hit you when you decided to make that change from you know day trading to now taking more of a trend following longer term approach? Like it's quite a big change and you also changed from trading futures to stocks so what was that transition like well the transition basically the main thing was the, the time frame i started holding for weeks and months so i would literally as i said i would move stops and unless i was only in new positions there wasn't much for me to do and I was taking lots of small losses. I mean, this is the thing with trend trading. You've got to be able to get punched in the face repeatedly getting stopped out, stopped out, stopped out for small losses, hopefully, while you're letting the big winners run. So I take a lot of losses, um, but I'm in the background. The big winners are slowly fermenting in my account, mm-hmm. ticking mm-hmm. over. Yeah, yeah. So just so we're clear, how long are you holding positions for um, on any given trade? Like you mentioned weeks, months, like what would you say is maybe the average? Well, I would say on a winner, let's say three to four months, sometimes it's even been six months. And on losers, I'd say one to two months. Sometimes I've I've literally got in at the worst time and it's shut me out within a week. But that's, that's that's the nature of the game. Uh, I've said before, show me traders that don't have losers and I'll show you a liar. You know, it's the nature of the business. Um, I take I take losses. I don't even think about them now. I've used the analogy before. It's like um, a parachutist. When they're, um, they're, they're going to go on their first parachute jump, They, they when they're about to jump out of the plane, they're nervous, they don't like it, and then they jump out and they're scared. But then after their 100th jump, like same as my 100th loss, you don't even think about it. You take it, you move on, and you, you go on to the next trade. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, you just accept it and move on, like you said. Exactly, it's just one of many trades. I don't. I've said um, previously. I don't even. It doesn't even matter what the company does now. The company ticker is borderline irrelevant. I run scans. I look at the charts. I pick the charts. I put on the trade. I manage risk. I manage the stop. The fundamental side of what the company actually does is very relevant, uh, irrelevant, and I just manage risk. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let's talk about your scans. Like how do you run your scans and what are some of the parameters that you're using? Right. So I use a website, which I'm sure you're aware of, uh, Finviz. I mean, it's absolutely fantastic for US stocks. Um, and in line with the turtles, I mean, I don't trade exactly like the turtles. I took a lot from the book, The Complete Total Trader by Michael Cavell, um, regarding what he, when he spoke to the traders, I, I, I long 52-week highs, I short 52-week lows um, with a few added parameters, not, nothing nothing major like um, and they've got to have a decent volume and an increase in earnings per share, which is what I always find handy. And I basically run the scan every day in the evening UK time and I really look for the same stocks. I don't just see the stocks hit the scan on that day and I'll jump straight in the following day. I look to see the same stock hitting the scan over and over again and then I'll take a closer look at the chart. And sometimes I literally do get in at the wrong time. I watch it 10 times hit the scan. I mean, not, not necessarily 10 times exactly, but I see it hit the scan a number of times, jump in and that is literally at the wrong time. But because I manage risk, and I risk a certain percent per trade, I have small losers but big winners. So I never really worry about getting stopped out. Mm -hmm. Could you tell us why um, you look at increased earnings per share? Like why why does that matter to you? Well, it's just as a, I'm not as a, I'm about ninety five percent technical. So um, and I wanted to have a fundamental sort of part of my part of my strategy and earnings per share it seems to be a good barometer if it's got an, earning, uh, an increase in earnings per share obviously I want to long it and if it has a decrease in one that seems to be a good barometer to, as a potential short and I just keep it very simple like that you know I don't overcomplicate things and I've been doing this for two three years now and as we say over here the proof's in the pudding I've been doing very well okay cool so you used um, you mentioned there you use finviz.com are there any other resources or pieces of software that you use um, for your scanning or trading each day so I use as I say I use finviz for the scanning but for the charts because I'm an end of day charter I'm end of day trader I don't need really, I don't really have to pay for any um, intraday stuff so I use freestockcharts.com um, which does everything I need it's got every um, technical indicator, anything you want to add to a chart, you can add to it. And also um, Twitter and stock tweets. I know I post charts daily. Um, Sometimes I get critiqued on them and I, I talk backwards and forwards with traders. And if anyone asks me any questions or if I have any questions to myself, um, I talk to other traders. I find that's a great tool as well. Being able to talk to um, other traders on social media these days is priceless. No doubt. No, I completely agree with that. Um, so, You're very technical in your approach. You know, like I said, 95% of what you do is based on technicals. What are you actually looking for on a chart? Um, I know you've kind of mentioned uh, 52-week highs and lows and that sort of thing. Is there anything else? Um, I noticed that you use uh, trend lines to to some extent. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about that and maybe some of the other things you're actually looking for on a chart? 
basically on the charts keep it very simple I'm looking for smooth charts I'm, I look I look over a year or two years um, daily chart and I really just want to see a smoothish line where it's higher in the right hand side than it is on the left hand side and I don't want to see any major whipsaws and if you look at some of the charts I've posted they are just slowly creeping up it's not very exciting it takes time for these trades to sort of cross the threshold where they actually start making money um, but I find real, real trading's not exciting. This isn't the Wolf of Wall Street or anything like that. You know, they're just in the background. It's not my primary day job. And I'm in a position where I can, like, as they say, cut your losses and let your winners run. Okay. So when you, I just want to ask you a couple of questions about actually using trend lines. Um, just so I'm, I do have this right. Trend lines are something you use, is that correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I use I use trend lines, but I mean that's more it's more lip service. I don't do a, I don't I don't buy or sell when they bounce off a tre- for a trend line channel. They're on there purely for for lip service, just to make just just so I can see that it's in a channel. But regarding entry or exit, I don't really use them. I'm, they're on my chart, but as I said, they're, they're more for lip service really, and just for me to to be mindful of them. But yeah, I don't do a die by trend lines. Okay. Okay. No, that makes sense. So they're more there just as sort of a loose guide, essentially. Yeah, it's a precise, Aaron. Just a loose guide. They're on there. I'm looking at them. I'm aware of them. But do that actually really do much with my trading? Probably not. Because I mean, when I run the scan, all the all the stocks that hit the scan to the long or short side, they're all hitting the parameters. So they're all essentially possible trade ideas. And then I then go in and I filter the scan to, to look for the smooth charts that I and that I like and also to, as I said before look for the same stops that have appeared previously on the scans and then I'll decide about opening the position or not. Okay so let's talk about how you actually do open the position because um, I, I got a feeling that you open your position just on the market open the following day. Um, is that how you approach that? Yeah, that's correct. So, so for example, tonight I've run the scans. Um, I've seen some stocks I like. I'm not too sure if I'm going to open positions tomorrow. But hypothetically, if I was to open trades tomorrow, um, first of all, I have to worry about my trade size. I, I risk between 2 and 4% per trade. So I have to look at where my stops could because, as you said, I open at the market open. So I don't even know where I'm going to get in. But because I'm a trend trader, and as I'm sure most trend traders will tell you, because you hold for such a long time, entry isn't that very important, really. I just click the button, and wherever I'm in, I'm in. Because I'm not day trading, and I hold for weeks and months, if I get in and the markets, I've lost a couple of cents here or there, it's not the end of the world. So um, basically, yeah, the night before, I look at where I need to, where the stop needs to be placed, because I know where I'm going to get out before I even get in. So I know where the stop's going to be placed. I I calculate where from the previous night's close to where the stop's going to be placed. How much I can, um, what my trade size is going to be. I note all that down. The following day at the market open, two thirty UK time, um, I just open the trade with the trade size, add the stop, and I'm and it's off and running. Very simple. Okay, so I know everyone does this slightly different. Um, how do you decide on your risk and position size for each trade? Um, you, you mentioned they're two to four percent. How do you decide um, what trades you're going to risk two percent? What trades you're going to risk four um, percent? Just walk us through that a little more. I think that'd be really interesting. 
Well, yeah. So, I mean, it goes back to looking at the charts. You know, if some of the charts I've looked at previously are a bit whipsawry, I might risk slightly less. Um, but if it's a nice smooth chart, like obviously bottom left-hand corner and it ends up in the top right-hand corner over the last year or so, roughly, um, then I'll risk a little bit more because I like smooth trends, you know. It's a very softly, softly. Trading, in my experience, isn't a get-rich-quick scheme. So I'm looking for soft, smooth moves, no stress. I don't have any stress in the market now, and then um, I calculate where the stop is from the previous, and where where my stop's going to be from, and where the previous close was, and I can calculate how much I can actually trade on that trade for, i.e., two or four percent. So I know my trade size, and then as I said, the following day I open the position, and that's pretty much my part, apart from moving the stops. Mm-hmm. Okay, got it, got it. So. Let's let's discuss how you balance um, long and short positions. Um, is this something you give any consideration to, like not to be too heavily weighted on longs versus shorts? Or yeah, no, no, no. I, I think about this a lot because uh, another reason why I, tra- I used to trade long only. The thought of shorting a stock was just it was just my brain couldn't program that right. But I soon got rid of that, and um, I'm happy to long or short a stock. And over the course of the whole portfolio, I do try to be evenly weighted because I want to be hedged against general market conditions because in the past, I've had days where my longs have been absolutely shredded, but I've been paid off on the shorts and vice versa. So I do try to weigh it up. But if the scans are giving me long, more long uh, trade candidates and shorts, then I, I, ha- I have to do what my system's telling me. So I may I may lean towards being more slightly net long than short, but then that also happens on the reverse side sometimes. But I do try and even it up as much as I can at all times. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Now, that's really interesting. And what about um, like a maximum number of trades that you have on at any one time? Is that something you also give some thought to? Yeah, I mean, I do, because the more positions you have, the more sort of maintenance it takes, and it takes time and stuff like that. So, and I don't want to be doing too much of that because I like it very mechanical. So, I like maybe eight positions at the max, but in the past, I mean, I've had 20 positions and it was absolutely crazy. I just felt like I couldn't, it was taking a lot of time to make, move the stops and checking the prices each day. So, I, I went, I, I used to basically try to trade like a one man hedge fund, and I essentially still do to this day, but I try and have a concentrated portfolio, maybe of eight positions positions if I can as I said equal weight it's long and short and also I'll try and diversify through the portfolio as well I don't want to have too much in one sector okay okay right right now that's really interesting and um, I guess the last part of it is how do you think about exits what's your thought process around exiting trades Um, how do you determine where that point will be and we're talking about profitable trades here. Yeah, yeah, of course. Well, exa- do you know what? I literally just in line with the turtle trading guys, I use Donchin channels and I, I follow a, um, certain Donchin channel timeframes and I, every day when the market closes, I look if the, the stock needs to be raised, obviously for long trades or lowered for the short trades. And I literally get stopped out on every trade for a winner or a loss and as I said I've had lots of winners lots of losers and I, and I don't worry about it either way I just I, I see a trade's close for a winner pat myself on the back for 30 seconds 5 seconds and then I move on <laughs> I like it I like it and just for anyone listening if um, you don't know what Don Chin channels are they're essentially just the highest high or the lowest low over X number of days um, and that's what I want to ask you about 
Do you change the parameters of Donchian channels um, for each stock that you're trading or do you have a generic um, time frame that you apply to each and every stock? I literally trade exactly the same strategy for every single um, stock. So my, my long strategy is literally a mirror image to my short strategy. I literally could not trade any other way outside my strategy now. Otherwise, I'd start having sleepless nights. I wouldn't know where I've got in. I wouldn't know where to get out. So I'm I'm very OCD like that. I've got a I've got a system, and if they, as they say, if it ain't broke, you know, don't fix it. And uh, I've got a system, and I stick to it. It's all it's all about the process. Okay, so with the Donchian channels, though, like the the actual settings um, for the number of days. Highest I've, high, I've found low. between um, a 20, the 20 days pretty good. I've looked at the 40, but yeah, between 20 and 40 days, because, I, because I'm holding for weeks and months, uh, I have to have a wider donchian channel. If you're, if you're going to be trading like a swing trade, maybe you can use a five day or something like that. But yeah, I find the, the longer, the larger number day, the longer running day donchian channels work for my system because I'm holding for weeks and months. Okay, cool, cool. Now, um, I'll, there's something I want to ask you about, and that's um, how you view your trades or your, your overall trading performance as like sort of from a portfolio level instead of actually being worried about how an individual trade performs. So could you tell us a little bit about how you view and how you think about that side of it? Well, um, what you mean talking about in terms of growth? I mean, I, I run a lot. I run lots of positions. One closes, I open another, and I, I've said before, I, I have a lot of losers, um, small losers, and I have big winners. And I mean, I, I literally when I open a position, I do not know which ones are going to be the winners or which ones are going to be the losers. I just run the trades. I manage the risk, and over time, all going well, the portfolio grows. Mm-hmm. Basically, it's a very simple approach, you know. I I don't try and overcomplicate things. I don't get in my own way. I'm just looking. As long as I stick to the process, I know it's simple mathematics. If you have big winners and small losers over the long term, because it's all about longevity at the end of the day, you're you're still going to be in the game. Because if you haven't got any money, you can't trade. So as long as you've got money and in your account to trade, then you're still in the game. And that's what it's about for me, because I want to be doing this till the day I die, which hopefully is a a long, long way from now. (laughs) 100%. No, I totally agree with you. One of the things which you kind of, you you kind of preach is that you must follow your rules. And that's very, very important. Um, I think the the thing that a lot of traders probably struggle with is that they doubt their rules and they don't know why they should trust their rules. So I guess what I want to ask you is how did you validate your rules to have the confidence to be so disciplined in your trading? Where did that come from? Like you obviously came up with this strategy. How did you know to trust that strategy and follow through with it, even when it's losing? Well, I mean, I said, I read about a lot of successful traders. I said, Jesse Livermore, Nick Darvis, the Turtles, Richard Dennis. I mean, these people were successful people. So if you're going to follow people, learn from the successful ones. So I already knew that their approach was sound and I just had to give it a go myself and you have to be patient. That's what I find where a lot of new traders go wrong. They're too much of in a rush because they think they're going to get the Lamborghini and the mansion in six months and unfortunately that's not always going to be the case. So I was very patient. I knew it was going to take time and fortunately because um, trading wasn't my day job and obviously I won the money from the training competition, I so earning the money wasn't exactly a major factor at the beginning, so I could sit back and sort of 
you know, put the time, put the chart time in and the screen time and stuff like that. So um, it was just, I found patience is the key, especially at the beginning. Yeah, yeah. And that's a good spot to be where you're not forced to be making money from your trading because as we know, that can lead to many rational decisions. So no, very good point. Now, last thing, just to take us out here, I'd love it if you could just expand on what you mean when you say don't get in your own way because I've heard you say it a couple times throughout the interview and I think it's a really valid point. Well, what I mean when I say get in my own way, um, in the, I mean, I was guilty in the past of getting in my own way. Like I've, I've had stops in place and the, the trade was about to hit the stop and I'd get in my, I'd, I'd, change, I'd get in my own way and change the process. I'd move the stop, I'd remove, uh, I'd, I'd lower the stop or raise the stop if it was a uh, short and I'd start tinkering around with the trade because like, now I have a plan, I stick to it. I don't know how to trade outside that plan, but when I mean get in my own way, start tinkering around and have a plan, stick to it, have a process and have the patience to ride that process to the good and the bad because you're going to have some bad drawdowns and some bad times, especially with trend trading. You're going to have lots of losses while you're waiting for the big trades to come. So basically just let your system be, keep it simple. Don't start tinkering with it every 30 seconds because some, or every week because you've had a losing trade thinking something's gone wrong. Give it time to breathe. Give your trades time to move around. You know, I buy a trade, um, I enter long positions sometimes and they pull back a little bit before they go ahead. And people say to me, oh, why do you get in now? Why not wait for the breakout? But I'm happy to get in the trade, ride the pullback, and then, and then I'm already in for the next leg up. And I just let them do that. I don't get in my own way by waiting for this or waiting for that. I'm in the trade and I let it do its thing. Good stuff, good stuff. Brilliant answer, John. Do you want to share with listeners where they can go to find out more about you? Yeah, so um, obviously I'm on Twitter. You can find me at, at underscore John Walsh underscore. Um, same as Stock Twits. Um, I'm also known on Twitter on Stock Twits as the Black Cabby Trader. And I'm just launched a website, blackcabbytrader.com. It's an educational website where I talk about trades. There's also a subscription site to that. Um, my email address is john.walsh at blackcabbytrader.com. I'm happy to talk, answer any questions, and, and just generally chat trading. I can talk trading day and night, as I'm sure your listeners will tell and um please get in touch i'm happy to chat awesome awesome john would you be open to answering questions that any listeners might have uh maybe in the comments section below this interview absolutely Aaron. that's a great idea i never thought of that yeah please any questions anyone has um via the comment section please do and i'll get back to you as soon as i can good stuff so chatwithtraders.com forward slash whatever number episode this is, um, scroll to the bottom of the page and leave a question in the comments area. Uh, John will get back to you on that. Um, obviously monitor that very closely myself as well. And one thing I just want to point out is that you've mentioned the turtles a couple times. Jerry Parker, who was one of the original turtles, um, has been on this podcast. He was on for episode 67. So if you want to check that out, um, it probably complements this episode nicely. So that's uh, chatwithtraders.com forward slash 67. Um, awesome interview with Jerry. All right, John, well, it's been a blast to have you on. Thank you very much for doing this, man. Are there any final words or are we good for now? Yeah, no, we're good. As I said, thank you for having me on. I love all the work you do. Keep up the good work and I look forward to future episodes too. So a good job on your part. I appreciate it, man. Thank you very much and let's stay in touch, eh? All right, take care. You've reached the end of this episode of Chat with Traders. 
But rest assured, there are more episodes loaded with real market insight and zero hype on the way soon. So to stay updated with each great new release, subscribe to the podcast and iTunes. And we'd love it if you'd leave a rating and review. We'll catch you next time on Chat with Traders. Oh, 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 oh